Good morning, Interweb. Welcome back to the Artifexian podcast in this month's episode. We got a business innovation in eCairn, brackets what notorious schemes are the companies cooking up now. We deep dive into how the Abeski people lived circa 1,000 years before the present. I went to Greece, Bill went to Berlin, the merits, or lack thereof, of cruise ships, tourism, and 80s replica East German flats. All that, plus lots more, in this month's episode. Okay, the show. Uh, very, very little follow-up this month. I have I have just two very, very quick points, and then we can uh, get straight into world-building, if that's okay, Bill. Straight into world-building, okay. Okay. Um, well, after two quick points. Uh, first point is I just... Um, D-F-Y-Z... Sorry, D-F-Y-X. Uh, our, um, our resident German... Um, left more comments on the German stuff we were talking about. I'm not going to read out the entire comment because it was, it was quite long, but also very informative. Uh, but just two quick sentences uh, I want to float for people uh, in terms of the whole like subordinate clause, weird word order sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I need to issue a, a correction after that. So remind me about that. Um, so we talked about how you can say something like der Mann hat hunger. Uh, the man has hunger, standard uh, word order. But then if you say vile, the word because, uh, then the subordinate clause has to be er hunger hat. He hunger has. It goes to SOV in the subordinate clause. Um, DFYX uh, leaves another example of another word order. Uh, when you say der man, der man hat hunger, the man has hunger, and you say also or deshalb, um, which is like a joining adverby thing, I suppose. Uh, you then say, "Ist er einen Apfel?" Eats he an apple? An, an, an apple. So VSO. So you have VSO in subordinate clauses. So this supports your uh, thing from many shows ago, Bill, where you were like, "Any chance you can have like a bunch of weird word orders in different mm-hmm. types of subordinate clauses?" According to DFYX. Uh, the answer is yes, and we can point to German. Um, I still don't think we should do that. I still think we should just stick with one, like the archaic order, to highlight that. But it's worth knowing. Um, should shouldn't it be shouldn't it be uh, DFYX? DFYX. Yeah, I suppose. But I'm allowed to say it in English. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the Yeah, and they also leave another sentence here. Weil er hunger hat, because he hunger has. Um, ist der Mann einen Apfel? Eats the man an apple. So it goes from uh, SOV to VSO, depending on the clause type. So uh, it's like constructions I don't use because I'm not a, 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 a native speaker. Um and then the other thing I want to say, I kept saying the word Dane last time, D-E-N-N. It's den. I got that okay. wrong. Dane is the neuter article. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the Dane, Dane, sorry, no, it's the accusative uh, masculine article. I'm sure it does other things that I can't think of immediately. But yeah, it's not, the word I was not lo- looking for was not Dane. It was den. Uh, I am sorry. D-F-Y-X. And the plural dative article. Well. Yes, the plural dative article, yeah. Um, so it does it does a whole bunch of things basically, but it's different to den, which is the the preposition. Correct. 
the okay. D-E-N and D-E-N-N are in fact different words and sound different. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> uh, so thank you, D-F-Y-X, D-F-Y-X. Um, final point of follow-up, like five <laughs> minutes worth of follow-up. Uh, it comes from, now it's not Crid, it's, oh, I don't have the page open for me. I think it's Tridity, uh, Tridity. I think is the username. Um, I had speculated last time about maybe they're the index diachronica person. Uh, turns out they are, kind of. They didn't make the index diachronica. Links in the show notes to index diachronica. It is amazing. Go check it out. Um, but they made, uh, Criddy made the searchable version of it, which is just a, a wonderful utility to have in and of itself. So more kind of conlanging royalty hanging about in and around this podcast blows my mind i don't understand it but here we are i feel great that's awesome yeah um especially because it's we've been we've been hitting the con pretty hard recently so it's nice to know that we have the sort of tacit um approval of real con people hanging around i'm a real con person no not other other than you i'm not like a real others others than us I am I am continuously reminded about my shortcomings when it comes to conlang. There's just so many incredible conlangers uh, out there. Um, you can't even make a whole language by yourself, nerd. <laughs> yeah, precisely, Bill. <laughs> um, now, oh, uh, and um, uh, I keep wanting to say crit, but I can't do that. Trinity. No, Trinity. Yeah. Trinity. Uh, yeah, uh, they also left a comment. Uh, I'll just read it out real fast about the, again. We're we're using your your words, your names to kind of glean grammatical things like is the language head final or head initial or mixture mm-hmm. draw, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. On that topic, uh, Tridity or Tridity writes: uh, Does being head final affect name order? Question mark. I'm thinking of Japanese, which is head final uh, and puts the first name in air quotes last. Um, which would mean that Yar or Yarte would be a family name, but that just might be a coincidence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, th- I just want to quickly address this. Um, we're not looking at like order of first name surname to determine some sort of grammatical thing about the language. Rather, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to see whether or not any of the names imply some sort of grammatical element. Like, do we have genitives going on there? Um, and if so, that we can gleam something about the headedness uh, of the language. Like in English, we have Johnson, son of John. Uh, that that name. There's a reason why John and son come in that order, not son John, for example. And that's to do with the headedness of the language. It has nothing to do with first name, last name. So we're kind of breaking down the individual parts of a of a first name and a last name, uh, and seeing can we get something from that. Um, if that makes sense. I just want to clear that up. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't want to make the assertion that because it's Edgar Grunwald, that implies that a language that, you know, German, for example, has to be head initial or something. Like, that's absolutely not an assertion that I'm making at all. You're, you're looking at Jartlen itself and, like, the way that that's put together, not, like, the, the overall name order. Correct, yeah. Or to use use another uh, example, like it would be the equivalent of looking at a word like if you had a person called John Butcher, uh, for example, looking at butcher and being like, is that E or is that like an agentive suffix type thing? That can tell mm. me something about how words are constructed in this language, mm-hmm. um, but not looking at the order of John 
and Butcher because that I don't think that has any relevance uh, yeah. here, you know? Um, so just want to clear that up. Um, so those are those are the two points of follow-up, Bill. I guess we just will hear a nice little, like, chapter sound now and then we can start doing some world building. <laughs> Straight into some world building. World billing. What do you got? World for billing. What I've got for you is an update on Lansk and what the Tamar company is getting up to in the the recently insurrected city of Lansk. Mm, very good. Dajag, the new initiative you have heard rumours of has been approved and the same vessel carrying this letter should have aboard it a young licensed prospector by the name of Regana Tsiovnen. This initiative is of her design, and she is to be extended all reasonable assistance in establishing her practice here. The Finance Board and the Eastern Office have placed great hope, as well as significant resources, in the success of this venture. I do not believe you have been previously introduced, and her reputation may well not precede her, so allow me to give her a brief introduction that you may understand your new associate's work. She is a native of Vilv, and of a respectable if not exemplary family. She has experienced considerable success working in the Anches and Ebwar, dealing primarily with the potentates and established wealth of those lands, and has by this work elevated her own position. Her recommendation from the Anches office could not be higher, they were loath to have her return to the spires and lose one of their most capable and profitable agents. As to the new initiative, Regana is being sent to Lansk to assist in the renewal of the district damaged by the insurrection. Her experience as a licensed prospector abroad is being turned towards the raising of capital, the streamlining of existing industries, and the establishment of new businesses in Lansk itself. The principle of applying these business practices to Habeski affairs has long been suggested and decried in turn. Regana's proposal represents the first complete and well-reasoned attempt to specifically apply these ideas in actual domestic usage. This undertaking was not without some initial resistance in the finance board. However, it has been seen that the good of the company and the good of Lansk are one and the same, more often than otherwise. Further integrating ourselves in the mercantile and industrial makeup of the city can only be to our mutual benefit. A strong tailwind carries all vessels, as is said. Your role in working with Regana is to assist her in liaising with the municipal hall and the new chief bailiff. I assume one has finally been selected, though the news has not yet reached me. She is to be considered your subordinate but you are expected to give her great liberty in how she conducts her business. As this is a new and untested venture, there may be unprecedented complications of rank and etiquette. We ask you both to approach your working relationship in honest faith and with the good of the company, and thus the city, always as your shared goal. We have but two restrictions to place on her, owing to the differing circumstances of working in Abeski cities instead of the Anches. Having become used to cheap labour, she must not be allowed to expect access to the work of those citizens housed in the depot. This would be poor for the population's morale, and could easily be misrepresented by agitating elements still lurking within the city. Similarly, 
The use of company arms will not be permitted as liberally as she may have grown accustomed to. I hardly expect that you need to be instructed in these matters, and do not take this caution for a lack of belief in your judgment. But I have been directed to make these caveats explicit. We look forward to hearing from you both, and to great success in this new endeavour, for Lansk and for the Tamar Company. Yours, Alette, Finance Board, Eastern Office Representative. Okay, I think you're going to have to do a lot of explaining here for me because I'm perhaps not clear as to what's happening here. Um, sure. So, give the summary. So, in Lansk, um, where the recent uh, uprising happened and a, a portion of the city was um, taken over by sort of labor agitators, labor activists, um, that was eventually put down brutally and a lot of damage was done to the city, and the Tamar Company have now sent this uh, new individual to come to Lansk and uh, assist in the business of rebuilding and put, putting things back together after the insurrection. Uh, this is Regana, this new character, Regana Tsiovnen, and she is what's known as a license prospector, which is a thing I've, I've mentioned a few times before. It's a sort of a, a position um, among the Abeski where they go abroad and try and get uh, people in, in other nations trapped in sort of predatory business relationships. Can I can I jump in here with a question real quick? Uh, can you define Certainly. other nations? So, um, like, anywhere where there is people who aren't Abeski, who have, like, kind of established economies and, co- and, and like, markets and things. So the Anches... Um, which is to the south. The Ebwar is a city further to the south. Um, Hane is a city kind of down on uh, on the coast, um, uh, kind of at the edge of the Usin province. Um, things mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So they've sent in Regana to to help with this. Um, why is the first question? So the idea here is that she is going to. Um, extend the company's uh, capital and their credit and their resources to people who want to, like, rebuild or people who want to get their businesses going again. Um, And then if it doesn't work, the company will be able to take control of of those businesses. So, Uh, Like predatory lending sort of thing. Yeah. So so it'll go two ways. Either they'll, they'll succeed and then... That will, you know, be good for the local economy, which is something that the the company will be in favor of, uh, or they will fail and the company will acquire assets through that. Yeah, I guess my question of why still stands, why I was asking a different question. I just didn't make it clear enough. Um, Why this outside person? Uh, Why her? Um, I'm assuming it's a her. Yes. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. So... Um, her, she has been very successful doing this abroad. She's been very successful doing right. this in the in Ebwar and in the Anches, and she is good at doing it. So they're trying to get her expertise to make it like really effective here in in Lansk. It's kind of a new thing of kind of preying on Abeski people in the way that they're praying. They have typically been preying on 
people of other nations. Yeah, and I guess you alluded to this as well, where it's like, you you know, you don't annoy the locals with your practices, so to speak. But uh, surely the, the actual Lebesky people will, will look at this and be like, wait a second, what's this about? Like, this this seems to be dangerous territory. Potentially, yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I've okay. been... But she has been chosen as someone who has been so profitable at it before that they like, well, you know, I think it, this is worth the risk. And at the end there, you can see they, they are, are putting specific things on on um, Dajag that he is not to allow her too liberal access to um, to company arms or to uh, the, the cheap labor of the people they have imprisoned. That's something that she would have become accustomed to. Um you know, being able to just like send in send in troops to batter striking workers, um, in other places, and that would be they would get away with it. But here, it's not as easy. They've more yeah. of an optics problem. Yeah, see that that strikes me as this being a real gamble. And I guess you you say here that uh, this undertaking is not without some initial resistance in the finance board. I guess it's mm-hmm. not a a clean win because like, you know, if if Regana is so good at at doing this sort of thing. Um, one should ask, like, why? And one could come to the conclusion that it's because of her methodologies. And if she's mm-hmm. been put in this new situation where some of those methodologies, like uh, access to, to lethal force and cheap labor and that sort of thing, if those are part of her methodology, stripping her of that may make this a bit of a futile attempt. And then you're in a situation where all you've done is annoy the locals. Um which is not good. So this this seems like a... Um, I, I guess it's a risky move, but the reward seems quite high for, for the company. Yeah. And I guess that's why they are pursuing this. I, I What's kind of... what my Part of my thinking here is it's the phenomenon of um, the, the brutality that is developed on the fringes of empire returning to the imperial core. Ooh. So like the the the, the Abeski have been doing this abroad, and it has been like very very um, effective. It's been very uh, profitable for them, and they're able to exploit all these other people. And they think, well, why can't we exploit our own people? Let's try and get away with that. People are great, aren't they? Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. of them. Some some of them. Some of the time. <laughs> Um, d- real quick here you got the new bailiff you make fleeting mention to a new bailiff uh, if I recall correctly um, Bowerin to Eintov was the chief bailiff of Lansk and he was Correct. yeeted a few a few weeks ago months ago at this stage um, yeah he is dead he is de- very dead he is an unbowerin <laughs> do you get the reference um, Monty Python Dead Pirate Sketch. Yes, very good. Links in the show notes. Um, <laughs> so the, the you yeah you make mention of new chief bailiff uh, and Dajak says uh, or the writer says I presume uh, one has finally been selected. Um, is there one selected? Can you reveal that? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, yeah, there probably is, but uh, I just I hadn't thought of another name. Sure. So. <laughs> Great in-universe reason altogether. <laughs> uh, I like the, your... Uh, the, the doylian rather than the Watsonian explanation. The, whoa, explain that. Doylian, Watsonian? Uh, so, 
it's like stuff that happens for reasons that are like not to do with what happens in the universe is Doylean. Like Arthur Conan Doyle was writing the Sherlock Holmes stories. Um, and then the Watsonian reason is why it happens in universe because Watson is the narrator of, of Sherlock Holmes. Mm, okay, cool. Um, you write here, a strong tailwind carries all vessel, vessels, as I said. Again, just props on the, uh, the I guess, aerial navigation language and idioms. It's good. Yeah. Like it. um, okay, you know. go, going back... They're not going to gonna say a rising tide lifts all boats. That's something that a, a filthy Orthani might say. <laughs> Uh, going back to the resistance in the finance board to this this bringing in Regana and let, letting her loose on Nansk, um, mm-hmm. was my earlier speculation on point here? Like, wh- where, why is there resistance here? Is, uh, yeah, is, I mean that, that that's absolutely like it's 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 okay. a risk, and some people were, were thinking, oh, you know, the, the way that she gets things done isn't necessarily going to be valid here. Uh, we, we can't use the same tactics and techniques. And I mean, for some of it, I'm sure there's just like a moral thing. Like we can do this to other people, but we can't do it to our own people. Doesn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I guess I mean, you talked about this before. What's the class structure here? Um, because it's easy to do stuff against your own people if you just think of them as being like an underclass. Are, yeah. Are, oh yeah, this is right. This is a classist society, not necessarily a racist society. Isn't that what you said before? They don't see race as being an important thing but class is important correct it's it's certainly it's not conducted in the the same way or it's not constructed in the same way although like there there are there is like xenophobia and there there are biases and, and bigotries but it's not it's not like an easy a correlation with with modern understandings of race or racism um but yeah cl- class is is an important thing here there isn't really an a historical aristocracy um, so hmm. it's, it's kind of like the the underclass, the the groundsfolk, and then you know you just have like varying wealth above that. There's like another class above that, but that has its own kind of stratification of wealth. It's a, a kind of like the modern inception of class. Maybe would it be correct? To say uh, a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, like there there are definitely still upper classes. Um, but they're, they're not as relevant, I suppose. Like, aristocracy isn't really as much of a thing anymore. Oh, but I guess I was saying upper classes. I was thinking maybe the upper classes just being extremely successful business people, as opposed to, like, royalty divine by God sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, in fact, that makes sense here, because you say, uh, talking about Regana, you say she's a native of Vilv, uh, and of respectable, if not exemplary, family. That that implies mm. a sort of classist sort of attitude to me, anyways. Um, yeah, like she she's she's not groundsfolk, but she's not like like real cream cream. She's cream what she is now because she has has advanced herself through profit. And um, just on the psychology of people here, why is that a thing that the that Alette? Uh, the writer of the letter would feel the need to mention to Dejag because it's like we're bringing in an agent. She's really good at what she does. She's one of us, like the Tamara Company. Why do they feel the need to be like she's of a respectable, if not a- exemplary, family? What's the point in that? Um, I guess so that you can kind of like correctly situate how to how to talk to her and how to address her mm-hmm. and like situate her within your understanding of of the the way power works 
Yeah, giving like a bio of the person, and that's important part of the bio. It's like they're, yeah. they're five foot seven, and they're also respectable but not exemplary. <laughs> um, cool. Five um, foot seven is extremely, extremely short on your cairn. Uh, I'm glad you put the qualifier on Cairn there, because we a lot of our short kings would get really, really angry at you there. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking anything about real life, just on Cairn. They are very, very tall people. Here, here Okay, I, I, I might get blasted for this opinion, right? But okay. height, right? Mm-hmm. I find, I, 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 I get the impression on the internet that, that people like talking about one's height and height mm-hmm. matters. And I find it so dumb. And I wish we'd stop this nonsense uh, to be all like, oh no, like um, if I'm dating someone, they have to be between X height and Y height. And it's like, why? Like, I guess from a sort of like um, evolutionary standpoint, you want to date the big strong thing. But Jesus, like, come on, we're modern humans. Like the notion. And then you have, you know, it leads to this sort of culture of like having to like, lie about your height or whatever um you know there's a thing um with ron DeSantis, sorry po- po- politics it's not even politics just he's a political figure um where uh, the, the whole internet seems to be in in uproar that the man wears like um platform style cowboy boots to give himself an extra couple of inches it's like yeah it's so weird that we've we've decided as a culture that you know six foot good five seven bad it's just it's such nonsense. Like, we're such idiots, Bill, is what I think. Sorry if that's an unpopular opinion, but it's just like... Oh, I just uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is a silly thing to... It is a silly to thing. ...to be um, so invested in. Yeah, and, like, I'm not... Uh, I, I'm 175. What's 175 in the wrong measurements? Centimeters. Uh, let's find out. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I put in... Oh, I didn't put in the M. That's what's gone wrong. Okay. You put in one, uh, 175C. I put in 175 in feet, and it gave me some, like, totally bizarre, uh, unrelated <laughs> thing. Okay, in inches, 68.8, so 69, what's that? That's 5'9". Uh, 69, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't think 5'9 is particularly tall for a, a, a man living in Ireland, but, like, and I don't think it's all also particularly short or anything. Um, no, I mean, uh, that's kind of like, that's within the middle quartile, I guess. Yeah, and like, I, I've never felt the need to, like, I guess, worry about my height. Like, obviously, there would be a thing, like, if you are very, very short, or conversely, extremely tall, there's, like, at the extremities, like, socially, it can be a bit awkward to uh, maneuver, I totally get that, but it just feels like that, that the extremities have been drawn ever closer to the median, so to speak, you know? So if you're five six, it's a mad problem. You know, the same way if you were four two or whatever. Um it's just it's so dumb. I was listening to a podcast a while ago and they literally had a whole segment where one of the dudes was trying to convince the other dude that they are in fact six three. And they were like, No right. way you're six three. And it just I can't believe this is a point of discussion. Anyhow. Humans are stupid. <laughs> and you were just saying they were great a minute ago. Hypocrisy, thy name is Edgar. <laughs> Bill, unable to appreciate sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, anything, did I miss anything at all um, with this? Have we got any extra comments to make? 
I think I guess they're 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 kind of warning him by saying um, they're, they're warning about her reputation by saying I hardly expect that you need to be instructed in these matters, but I have been directed to make these caveats explicit. It's like we, you know, they're, they're not coming out right and saying she is a, a brute, but um, they're, they're just putting it there kind of semi subtly to be careful with her, to keep an eye on her, try and keep her in line. Is she, define her brutishness. Is she like, I guess, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. Um, is there an avatar analogy to be made here? Uh, is she like a sort of meathead earthbender? Or is she kind of like um, like a violent but like um, cutting firebender, if you see what I mean? Like, is there a, a meathead or, or a, a cunning dangerous tactician sort of thing more more the latter like she's a she's a, a more like a bureaucrat that will like not balk at directing someone else's violence mm. to occur nothing more dangerous than a bureaucrat janice mm. from accounting the da- most dangerous uh, woman of us all <laughs> um yeah okay cool um shine that's it is it I, yeah, suppose it is. Shine. Shine. Okay. Let's talk. Let's talk Abeski, as in the language. Uh, Let's talk Abeski. And in particular, I want to talk uh, culture uh, with you. There's, I have to do some kind of like background research. Uh, mm-hmm. for this language oh for for any new listeners in case for any new listeners um the setting you just heard about we just talked about um and the people we just heard about the abeski we are making a conlang for those people um uh, and this second section of the kind of the main topic section of the show is 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 kind of going to be me doing that either on air uh, but predominantly it's going to be asking Bill questions and finding out how he feels about how these people should speak, basically. Um, and an important thing, I think, uh, in terms of how people should speak is what culture they have, because that informs mm. how they speak, etc. Um, so I have a bunch of questions, and it actually occurs to me I should leave this for a second because I need to do something else first. Uh, point number one, um, I've up, there's a public spreadsheet. Uh, it's very messy. Fair warning, folks. Of the Abeski Lang, where I continuously update what I'm working on. I'll leave it in the show notes if you want to have a gander at it. Uh, again, it is messy as all hell. It's a very much a working document. Uh, but if you'd like to have a look at what the state of Abeski is, that's the document. Um, the other thing is I've been working for the past number of weeks on the sound changes for the Abeski language. They are air quotes finished uh, in that 90% of them are done. We're into sort of like tweaking phase here so again in the show notes there's a link to a lexergy file which will uh, open up lexergy and populate it with the abeski changes if you want to go in there uh, like anyone listening wants to go in there and just play around and um, put in some protoforms have a look at what i've done check my work complain about it to me etc uh, feel free to do so and bill i talked to you off air you should do the same uh, mm-hmm. and just play around with it um under the caveat that they're 90% there, not it's not signed, sealed, and delivered just quite yet. Okay? 
Sure. Sure. Uh, that's the, the, those two things. Now, let's talk culture. Uh, I need to do some background information, so I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions, Bill. I understand that uh, your work is done diegetically here, and it is difficult for you to answer, will be difficult for you to answer some of these questions because they really should be coming from an in-universe source. But mm-hmm. as best you can, can you give me uh, answers to these questions? Or go away and contemplate them uh, contemplate them and put them into a diegetic document for maybe next time um because these are important questions to answer so um we talked last time about how the 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 peoples of ecairn the abeski the Thani, the lot of them i believe are not from ecairn yeah they come from elsewhere um I would like to know more about this. I would Ecairn like... being the name of the planet for anyone who who, who isn't. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. They are um, not from that planet originally. Correct. Now, I would like to know more about this. So, uh, where did they come from? They came from another planet within the solar system. Within this solar system? Within this solar system, yes. Um, that is known to uh, the people of Ecairn as Cradle. Oh, this was talked about, like, years ago at this stage, I think. Sure was. In a lucid dream type thing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, remind me just real quick, this cradle place, give me a sort of, like, um, a rundown of it. Like, stuff like moon of a gas giant, relatively Earth-like, broad things like that. Extremely cold, etc. Very Earth-like. Very, very Earth-like. Very, very Earth-like. Um, moon? Planet? Uh, it's a planet. It's planet. a planet, yes. Planet. Um, um, it has like a slightly longer, um, slightly longer year than Earth, but it has similar gravity. It's a very similar size, etc. Okay, and um, so do the do the Abeski know they they're aware that they came from off world? Yeah, yeah, they they know that ultimately they are from somewhere else. Like the the historically, the, the humanity came to the planet they're on from somewhere else. And so to confirm, like, it's not mythos. It's like history. You'd be taught this in school. Um, like, it was it was dim enough in the past. Um, sorry, it, it, it's a dim enough memory because it was so far in the past um, that it is essentially, it is it's essentially myth- mythology and like kind of their national, their, their cultural stories but it 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 is understood to be true by everyone. They all they all believe it to be true, and it is also true. Okay, okay, okay. Um, is do uh, let me think. How how long ago, roughly? Are we talking on the order? We're obviously not talking on the order of hundreds of years. We're talking on the order of many thousands of years. Yeah, thousands of years. Thousands on that of scale. Years. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so would it be? Would it be mad to assert that when the the Abeski were speaking proto Abeski, would mm. they have been on Cradle? Uh, I don't know enough about the the time for languages to alter in that way. I would say they were probably on a on Abesk oh, on Icarn. Thank God, okay, on I'm, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay. Great. I mean, look if you look at like um, what is I think proto Germanic. I think Proto-Germanic was spoken... I mean, you okay, caveat, you can't really put a date on these things. You can't be like, modern sure. English, it was spoken in 2001, right? Obviously, there's mm. a 
nebulous cloud around these dates, right? But I think if you Google Proto-Germanic, I think they say it's about 500 BC. Um, okay. And like Proto-Indo-European, I think is any... I, I, I'm going to get this wrong. Maybe fact check me live here, Bill. Uh, I think Proto-Indo-European was uh, spoken anywhere between two and a half thousand BC and about 4,000, I think. Um, so, I mean, these things... Can that go sounds back. right. Let's see, put under European language, era circa 45,000 to, uh, sorry, 4,500 to 2,500 BC, yeah. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, so that's the sort of time frame. That was 100, that was a weird way to express that, but anyway. <laughs> so that sort of time frame, those sort of time frames is what we're, what we're talking about. I usually just yeah. like, in my head, I'm always like, my proto-lang uh, is about a thousand years prior to the modern lang is what I usually do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So under that sort of caveat, you're comfortable with saying that they were speaking Proto-Obesky when on E-Cairn. Yes. yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Um, so that means kind of functionally, we don't actually need to worry too much about Cradle, which is kind of cool because follow-up questions would have been like, how did they get there? Were they tech? Well, actually, we'll ask this because it's interesting. How did they move from Cradle to uh, E-Cairn? Um, in spacecraft. In a spacecraft. I'm assu- are well, these- I wouldn't say A. I would say that there was like waves and multiples, but in sure, spacecraft. Sure. Are these spacecrafts uh, analogous or are they the same crafts that they use to uh, fly around the skies? No. No. Okay. So would I be correct in asserting that they were maybe technologically more advanced back in the day? Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. So they've kind of, they have uh, receded a bit on the tech tree. Yeah, um, some, something was lost. Something was lost. Or things were lost, yes. Okay, now again, when you say this things were lost thing, uh, is any mm-hmm. of this happening, do you think, around about the time Proto-Besky's been uh, spoken? Or is this all prior? I would say probably even before that. Even before that. Brilliant. Okay, brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, so when the boyos, when the Besky uh, land on, on E-Cairn... Um, are they straight off the bat skyfarers or what's their kind of like, what's their dominant mode of being? And I realize just this is a very, uh, again, nebulous thing to ask because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, what do Irish people do? And like, you could say yeah. agriculture and that does make sense, but it's not like everyone obviously does agriculture, but in a sort of broad sense, like are, have they been, when they first came to Ecairn, are they kind of functioning like they are now? Or is this whole, like, air maritime stuff a very modern invention? A um, couple of things. I'll, I'll, I'll start with that last bit. Sure. They they have been... They have access to the, the kind of craft that they have now, more or less, for, like, 200 years, maybe. Something like that. That would be, that would be a big estimate. Sure, sure, sure. So they're not zipping around the skies. Two hundred Earth years or less. Hmm? Sure, sure. So they're not sp- skipping around the skies or sh- skipping around. Sure, sure. Skipping around the skies. They're not doing that back when they're speaking Proto-Besky. Probably not. No. Probably not. No, okay. I, w- I would say no. But I would say also the 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 kind of assumption baked into the question there, like the the I would say the arrival is a long a long time before. Uh, Proto-Obesky. I'd say it's it's much more than a thousand years before. Right. Um, right. I would say the Obesky don't exist as a as a group when they come here. God, I, you gotta love that when. 
so good. That's how the word is pronounced. <laughs> I, there's a H there. You make you make a very valid case, Bill, and I find it extremely hard to argue against you from a logical, orthographic standpoint. But just know you are wrong. <laughs> I joke. There's I joke. H there. <laughs> um. So okay. So so that is. I mean, yeah, cool. That's cool. Uh, I still think I would need to know a little bit about what what the what the Abeski were doing when they were uh, speaking proto Abeski. Are they? In oh yeah, yeah, sh- sure, sure. Yeah. But the, just what I'm all I'm saying is the they they've been there long enough. Humanity has been here long enough that the the groups that exist now didn't really exist in any kind of recognizable way mm. when they arrived um on on Ikern. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, um yeah. so a, a thousand years ago uh they would live in kind of small um small city states uh in a sort of the, the landscape of where they're from is is very we talked about this the last episode it's, it's very kind of uh forested and uh grasslands it's uh, siberia very very much so yeah yeah okay um are they are predominantly agriculturists nomadic are they mercantiles and a mercantile sort of culture and again with the caveats of Obviously, now we're trying to paint a whole diverse group of sure. people with like one brush. But from the perspective of coming up with like um, just basic terms in the language, that's going to yeah. be reflect reflective of their culture. So we need to pin something down. So what are you thinking there in that regard? Um, yeah, I'd have to think about that. Probably like, I mean, there's not a lot to do other than agriculture and cutting trees down. <laughs> Sure. So, um, I mean, would it be radical to assume something like they were kind of sort of like medieval Europe? You have like, you know, significant sort of cities, but predominantly it's a it's a very agrarian um, sort of setting. Yeah, I think so. Okay. It seems seems reasonable. Okay. Cool. 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 Um. Around this, around the time of the proto Abeski, do we have like proto Arthani knocking around, proto Bini, any of the other cultures? Would they, would their culture pay heed to any of these, or are these have they not yet split or diversified and all that sort of jazz? Um, the Bini are about the same back then. Okay. Okay, the Bani are, um, are not are non-changing. <laughs> yeah, they're uh they're weird. Um Yeah, they are. The Arthani I think I might have said before that there's like a sort of a distant cultural or like genealogical connection to or genetic or whatever connection between the Arthani and the Abeski. Um mm. so I I I wouldn't be surprised if their languages were related. Okay. Okay. Um, the again speaking about the proto Obeski, um, do you know? Can you think of anything to do with uh, family structure at all? Um, mainly, I ask because I want to know: Are terms like mother, father, father, son, daughter, are they applicable? Because they're quite basic terms, and they're nice little like vocab words to have to begin constructing sentences uh, can i work on the assumption that the proto-besky would 
have those terms and they would oh, yeah. they would but they, and specifically they would mean the same things that we think uh, of them because for example in our system our mother is well everyone knows our mother but if you go to different parts of the world um they will categorize say all female relatives on the same level the same generation as our what we call mothers as mothers do you know what i'm saying yeah. um so they'll apply the words a little bit differently have you thought about or can you tell me anything about the family structure in that regard i would say that, like yeah they use those terms in roughly the same way but they live in um bigger units it's not just like you know nuclear family units they would live in in sort of extended family um both proto and modern uh I was only really answering for Proto. I hadn't really thought about Modern as much. Okay, okay. Pro, that, that's fine, that's fine. I, I was more curious more than anything else. I yeah. just like the idea that Yar might come home and his, like, you have his, his granddad, his aunt, his third cousin, thrice removed or whatever, just all sitting in the same gaff. I wanted to know if that was a thing. Um, yeah, well, you know, he's very close to his, his cousin. He's always writing letters to his cousin. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh... The uh, while we're on the subject of, of of kinship and kinship terms, just a quick shout out. I'm going to leave two links in the show notes to uh, Native Lang's video on kinship terms, which is really good. But actually, I think a much better video for anyone who's seen that video is from Nakari Speardane. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, she has a a kinship term video, which I think is a lot better and delves into like why different cultures use different terms. Uh, in terms of like splitting up kinship or whatever i think it's a great video so just for anyone who's curious about this links in the show notes um proto besky faith anything on this gods gods atheistic how do they view the place um i feel like they're not massively inclined to religion as as a nation um as as a people uh, including in the 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 proto Obeski. um there I mean there probably is some but there you know it's not a, a huge concern of their lives uh, and there wouldn't be something like organized religion like you know it would not be like there is the Obeski church or every town has the temples to the same gods um there's probably oh, I'm I'm worried here I, I I'm I am wary here that I'm just going to like recreate kind of something very Indo-European. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll go for it. Um, I'd imagine there's something like there is sort of a vague belief in some kind of creator um, okay. who's much above everything. And then, you know, underneath that, they'll have uh, degrees of animism or certain certain cults in the historical not like the pejorative modern sense but like cults will will spring up around uh ideals or specific events etc uh, from time to time but there there isn't like a like a strong you could say like this is the abeski thunder god and this is the abeski god of gambling or whatever so it'd be more kind of like more personal would you would you say you more, more yeah more more fluid more fluid and it would be quite personal and you know organizations would exist but you know there's nothing like there is a a big um powerful entity across a vesky culture that wouldn't exist would the term kind of like natural spiritualism 
work here? They'd find spirituality in in the natural world. I'd imagine a lot of people would. Yeah, that wouldn't would not okay. be uncommon. Okay, but but there's but just to be to be clear, you're still conceiving kind of of like an overarching nebulous monotheistic type thing. Like there's one dude who made this all happen, basically. Yeah, but they're not that concerned about him. No, no, but but that is a that is a thing that they would know. Yeah, they'd probably be like, oh, I guess there's some kind of... There's some dude. Yeah, Kevin who... <laughs> Kevin the Sky God. Yeah. No, he's not the Sky God. He's like, it's sort of just kind of... It'd be more deistic, I think. He's just Kevin. Yeah, he's just Ken. <laughs> what, 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 oh, sorry, I don't know this term. Deistic? What's deistic? So so deism is that there's... Um, I think that's the word. Let me check. Um... Yeah, so it it's it, it's the idea that there there is a creator and like you know, God exists, but he's not concerned with day to day um matters. Oh, I see, I see, I see. As, as opposed to what's the flip size? Theistic? Mm, I'm not really sure what the what the the term for kind of stronger uh belief in intervention is. A strong Kevin. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, okay, anything on um, proto the Proto-Besky cultures towards? Well, first of all, like, um, are we looking at a matrilineal uh, or patriarchy or a matriarchy, or it doesn't matter? That sort of thing. I like to think it's it doesn't really matter. Okay. Okay. Um, I do like, I, I don't know if this is your intention, but I do I do like the way you're kind of, um, uh, with the modern Abeski, it, like, clearly you're writing them as the bad guys in this setting. Um, I, I don't think that's in dispute or anything, but I do like the way you give them, at, at every possibility, you seem to be giving them kind of admirable traits mixed in as well, and it makes them quite a complicated people. Like, like the thing about um, they're not really racist at all, you're like, oh, that's that's a good quality. It's good quality, and then it, but they're also like, you know, like terrible colonialists. Um, I, I really enjoy that as well. And so they've, they've got quite quite a a lot of gender equality. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's lots of plus things. And if if even back people in of the all day, of all genders are 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 able to be colonial oppressors. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and like what you said there about like, oh, they don't really care about matriarchy or patriarchy. He's like, oh, that that's that, that's good. It's like again, it's like gender equality going back, you know, potentially thousand plus years. How amazing! And then you're like, but yeah. they're actually also douchebags. So it it makes them a, a, a complicated <laughs> um, culture to 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 think about, which is which I think is good. Um, anything on sex, and here's where we get demonetized. Um, Anything about their relationships towards sex, I'm going to work on the assumption that they are not, like, Catholic guilt sort of people, etc. Um, back in the proto-stage, are, are, do we work on the assumption that they have a lot more, they have less inhibitions when it comes to this, matters of love, etc.? Yeah, oh yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine so. I'd imagine so. Um, uh, actually, I did... Hold on, I'm going to see if I can find um, what I wrote here before. Their reaction to the the the, the Hoytani, um, Oh yeah. Uh, 
because I remember when I read that, I think your reaction and a lot, a lot of the, the listeners were like, oh, that's like, like a really kind of queer rep here, which is not exactly the 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 intent or the, the fact of it with the Hoytani. Um Let me just check this for a second. Yeah, you're going to have to remind me of this. I don't, I vaguely remember hearing stuff from Hoytan, but I don't remember the details. Um, so the, the Hoytani, um, they live on an, an island to the east of kind of the Abeski core. Um, and they're sort of semi-nomadic. And there's a, a description written by a Tamar company scout who, who, uh, spent time among the, the Hoytani. And there's a thing about like how the, the, b- before the, the eve of a battle or a big hunt, um, the the men will um adorn each other and they like they'll they'll take care of each other's clothes and their their accessories and you know if someone has like a spare nice tunic and someone else doesn't have one as nice he'll let them borrow it and they they uh, really take care of their appearance for things like that and uh, they've got a displays of uh, displays of great affection mm. um you know there, there's no restriction on kind of uh and non-sexual, but like embracing and and physical affection uh, mm-hmm. among them. Uh, whereas the Abeski are a little reserved about that, but they're they're not like they're not sexually restrictive. They they don't, they don't tend to be like very very um, uh, physical and like giving each other hugs and things. Mm. Um, so that that's that's a a difference there between the Hoytani and them, uh, but I don't think either have any like particular uh, sexual, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hang-ups, Hang-ups. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, would it be wrong to assert that the the Earthani or the Hoy, uh, the Earthani or the Hoytani represent a kind of like um, I guess almost basal sort of structure? Uh, cultural structure as in back in the day these three groups would have been very more similar to one another um so you can kind of look at the so so i guess what i'm asking is can i look at what you've written about the earthani and hoithani and use elements of that that differ from modern abeski to kind of uh be able to say this is kind of what they might have been like back in the day or would that be Uh, no no, the the Hoytani, I would say, are not related to to the Abeski. Cool. Um, the Abeski and the Irthani, uh, might be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Historically, but like they they have they have all progressed from back. It's not like the Irthani are primitive. I mean, nor, nor are the Hoytani. They just they just do things differently. No, no, um, and that, that's why I specifically tried to use word. I guess I'm leading slightly into biology here to use word sort of basal. As opposed right. to as opposed to primitive, like I don't I want to be right. all like you know they're undeveloped. It's just mm-hmm. you know maybe for whatever reason they just decided that the culture how it was you know centuries ago was good for them and kind of stuck with it. In the same way right. that like you know in the modern world like we have a bunch of kind of Stone Age cultures still knocking around. I don't look at them and go like you're primitive as a pejorative. You're just kind of like I guess that culture is just more basal. You know it's just like you've, you've a different set of cultural carrots and okay. sticks that you're operating under and you've decided that that way of living was perfect for you and that worked out great you know mm. um 
Now, animals. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the questions. Thank you for uh, bearing this interrogation. Um, I no, I'm I'm really enjoying this. Thank I, you. To be honest with you, so I am. I was really worried about this because I was like, he's every question he's going to be like, I can't tell you that because in universe. And I'm really well, great that you're as open with this as 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 you are, which is fantastic. With, with my 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 older project, the Anspire, it was very very. I can't answer anything because everything was diegetic. Here, I'm presenting like everything I present is diegetic, but I don't. You know, I'm, I'm less mm-hmm. less precious about it. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Um, animals. Um, do I know we've talked about that? There's things like flying jellyfish. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've forgotten them, <laughs> and, I, and we know Sky we have jellies. The, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And I know we have the the elk, etc. Um, sh- those w- examples notwithstanding, do I work on the assumption that animal life is basically kind of like earth life? So I can invoke things like bugs or rats and things like that as kind of like uh, very kind of like ubiquitous animals that everyone in the culture would know about. Oh, yeah. yeah. There- there'll be something that's kind of like analogous. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And there's no other than like sky jellies and ores that look there is no like standout this is a very weird non-earth-like life form that you've written about so far am i forgetting anything there's the arvix are they on this world i thought they were on a different planet no the arvix is 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 an abesky um Icarnian creature uh, remind me what what are they it's like a big scary bird big scary like bird a really big scary bird flightless well, because you're probably not flightless on Cairn. <laughs> um, Arvix, Orzelk, and then we have the Sky Jellies. Um, how how ubiquitous would these forms be? Like, example, just this is a pretty crap example. I'm not planning on doing this. But, like, would they use, uh, could you use the term Arvix as a sort of uh, pejorative? Like, if you want some sort of grammatical thing that means bad, like mal in English. It would ultimately derive from, say, Arvix. Would would these uh, animals be known well enough for that to be a pathway? Yeah, I, I, yeah, Arvix. Yes, um, that would be like you know they're they're a, a scary monster thing, but that might attack your farm. Right, and then Urzelk ubiquitous. Like, no. or to rephrase, no. to rephrase, are any of these kind of like borderline mytho- mythological? As in, like, if you see them once in your lifetime, you'd be extremely lucky. The uh, proto Abeski would probably have no knowledge of of Urselk. Okay. Okay. Um, um, maybe I'll come up with some new animals. Oh yeah, for, hybrid animals for, for the episode. win. Avatar hybrid animals. I'd love that. Um, no knowledge in proto uh, Abeski color Abeski culture. Um, okay. Cool. Cool. Um, so TLDR, right? Um, safe to am I safe to work on the assumption that we're functionally looking at more kind of like personally spiritual, less kind of Victorian inhibitions, uh, almost like medieval Europeans living in the taiga in Russia. Russia, that's the sort of shtick, and their their backstory is that we know we came from a different place but mm. we don't have the means to interact with that. Is that basically the sort of shtick of these people? Yeah, when medieval Russia, when medieval Europe, I mean like like early medieval, like kind of a thousand AD. 
what's what's the distinctions between that and uh, I guess your standard medieval in terms of like the feel of the culture? What I don't are know. the important just, distinctions to you? I'm not sure. I just think like a little a little bit less kind of um a little bit less technologically developed, a little bit like not as much kind of in terms of big cities. The the Renaissance is further away. Right. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 Um, okay. Um, that those are my questions. Have you got anything uh, pertinent there? Anything that you really want to get across about these proto people? No, I think I think you've you've asked some good provoking questions there. Oh. Um, okay. I think I think a lot of what will be the kind of the the reason for the way they are is that they. They're they're kind of they're post apocalyptic almost in a sense that they, they they used to have there used to be a lot more, um so they're not like just coming from, uh, sh- straight from, evolving from being apes and then yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> figuring out everything for the first time there was kind of a cultural memory of things having been different and, um I think that is probably why they have things like the uh, gender equality um is that they sure. they came from a society where like the the distant past of having to have strong gender roles um is has been forgotten and they've they've come up again but kept that discovery from before yeah 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 cool um all right that's main topic done do, would you like to do a green room dun 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 <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't know if I have a lot to say for the green room. Do you have a lot to say for the green room? Well, I, I have. Uh, I, both of us have been on holidays, and uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's Didn't actually interested in any of this, but like, I, I quite like sharing stories of travels. Um, Let's do it. I mean, it'll be 10 minutes tops. Like, it's not a big thing at all. Sounds um, like a, a wonderful 10 minutes. Green room. I went on holidays, first time since 2018. Wow. Yeah, it's been too long. We only managed to get away for like three days, um, but uh, it was, oh my God, it was worth it. Do you know know what I find, Bill? I don't know if you ever get this, but novelty, there's a time dilation that occurs with novelty. Do you ever experience that? Where if you're doing something novel, time runs at a different pace. Mm. Does that sound aiding to you? I think I know what you mean. Yeah, because we were we were so we went we went to Greece. We went to an island called Sandorini, which is just like super touristy. Like it's a bog standard touristy type thing to do. Yeah. Um, package sun holiday. It is okay. a, kind of like a package sun holiday. The idea was that we can't really myself and the captain we can't really escape for like a week at a time because of our our, our duties with my father. Um. So we were like, can we go somewhere for a small amount of time? and really feel like we've seen a place, right? Like, no point going to Mongolia for three days. You haven't really seen Mongolia. You've just popped yeah. around Ulaanbaatar for a little bit, you know? So I was like, well, why don't we find small places to go to? And so I began looking at, like, various islands. Sandorini came up because there's a there's functionally about three things you can do there if you're not interested in just bathing in the sun. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, like, one thing per day perfect so that's what we did anyways but um yeah we're only there for three days and it felt like two weeks because everything was novel so time just slowed to a crawl like it was crazy absolutely crazy and i i honestly i can't wait for for our honeymoon uh next year which 
hopefully we're going to go for many weeks um like throw all cautions to wind and just really make this thing happen and that, that'll feel like i'm going to be gone for like a year with the way time dilation works <laughs> just, oh, it'd be great uh, anyway so i just want to share a couple of things uh, about sandorini i'll put a link in the show notes to the wikipedia page if you want to read about it um just two things i want to share cruise ships and fake towns um i have i had never seen a cruise ship up until going to sandorini uh irl and uh those things are gross <laughs> i have always just thought they were very unappealing not not just like you know i don't want to go on a cruise but just like the idea like they must be crawling like crawling with diseases and things yeah they must be filthy yeah i know i know it's it was it's it's not good and like oh, i'd hate to be tra- it's like i i think there's an element of claustrophobia to it as well like you just you're stuck on a ship like you know um but i mean more gross in the sense of like you're in this like beautiful area of the world and then in the harbor like and i have no problem with small little fishing boats or even like yachts and things they look kind of cool or whatever but you just have this disproportionately large gigantic hunk of a monstrosity just sitting there completely spoiling like the landscape like any of the i I tried to take nice shots of the calderas and the caldera there because it's a volcanic island and it's just there's always a bloody like obnoxious cruise ship just in the shots and i hate it and then we were watching the sunset one evening and this uh, cruise ship was just heading off to the next island and oh my god you can see the pollution they make like it literally it literally like leaves a band of smog in its wake that doesn't dissipate for like like ages and it's just the most gross unenvironmental thing and then further there was one morning we were uh, sitting by the shoreline and there's this cafe we're having coffee and breakfast and a cruise ship um well it doesn't dock because it's too big but the like the little back and forty boats or whatever they used to dismount people were coming in mm-hmm. and like these are whole ass adults right on this cruise ship and there's a dude out the front being all like so you have two and a half hours uh you can go to this restaurant here and you can look at these venues here. That's what we recommend. But if you have to be back here in two and a half hours time to get the boat back to the cruise ship. And it was kind of like holidaying by paint by numbers. You know, there's no sense of adventure. There's no like, I'm just going to get lost in a place. It's like, I'm going to do what the lifeboat man tells me to do. I'm just going to like, like cheap, just like scurry back and forth and be there at designated times. And it's just, it just felt like a wrong way like of experience a place like you can't really experience a place because you can't decide to just go off the beaten track because it's like you've specifically yeah. made your holiday one that is the beaten track and it just it's cruise ships yuck no disagreement it's it's never really appealed to me either yeah yeah um and the other thing uh, i wanted to point out uh was so on sandorini there's this uh, town called Uia, right? Um, and it's this like stunningly beautiful um, town that's sitting on top of Caldera. Like all the towns are sitting on top of Caldera, and it looks like it's been melted into the landscape. It's just it's just mad to see. Um, and it I'm going might get the details wrong here, but I, I think in the middle of the last century there was a earthquake that wrecked the place, um, and then they got together and they went to rebuild it, and they specifically made it. So that it was, it's functionally a fake town. 
it, like it does not have any residents. All okay. that exists in this town are hotels and restaurants for the tourists right, right. to be at. And it was am- I didn't realize that going in, and it was amazing how much that made me feel really gross as a person, <laughs> because it's it's kind of like oh, it's because of me and people like me that like native Sandorini people maybe don't have um, as much accessibility to housing that they could have because it's a small caldera. Like there's a limited amount of space uh, on this island. And the notion that we'll take up an entire swath of the caldera just for tourists made me feel really bad about myself. And it, it I think I had a great time. I don't want to, you know, I, I really did have a lovely time, but I think uh, it has reinforced in me the sort of need for when I go places to kind of try and make it that my footprint is not very large so that you don't contribute to this 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 sort of um toxic tourism sort of thing mm. you know um and i think like when, when i went to kazakhstan back in 2018 the last the last holiday like that felt really um holistic in a way because we we just rocked up in the middle of kazakhstan and like the amount of times locals would come up to us and be like what are you doing here like there's nothing here and we're like no this is great we're just hanging out in the market we love this you know and no one speaks english there's no nothing is being afforded to tourists you're just in in as far as is possible you're just living and mingling with the local locals in a kind of naturalistic way and that mm-hmm. i think is a beautiful thing but the the notion that this tourist industry has made it so that they erected a big like a vegas style town um where it's all show with no substance, it just, it broke my heart and I felt bad about myself. So, shan't be doing that again. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know what you mean. Like, I, I I feel a bit uncomfortable when anything is like really being catered to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's like, no, you don't, don't do that. I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I just yeah. like, let, look, let me know where the bus is and like a restaurant on an ATM. And like, don't don't make it about me. I'm just here to hang out. Don't kind of yeah. Yeah, I agree. And because otherwise, I, sh- like, I share your discomfort. Yeah, like otherwise, like, what are you experiencing? Like, you're experiencing kind of like, in this case, a Grecian theme park. Yeah, and, and not actually Greece, you know. Um, yeah, it's just. I don't know. Again, I, I, images of Kazakhstan come back where it's like, you know, there is no bus. So we're, we're, we, we, we literally hitchhike, hitched, hitchhiked with the locals. Um, and hitchhiked. like, hitchhiked, exactly. Yes. Hitchhiked with the locals. Hitchhiked. And hitchhiked. I don't know. Um. Is what I would say. But yeah, the, it, and like, you know, the bus stop was like, outside of a uh, convenience store a bunch of locals just stand there waiting for someone to come by and we just stand with them and hop in these cars and like that was beautiful like that was absolutely lovely but like yeah private tour buses all that sort of thing is just yeah it, it breaks my heart um but anyway had a lovely time turns out to no one's surprise greek the uh, greece and its islands just have stunning weather it's great i recommend going to get away from the irish winter it's wonderful um that's all I have to say. You were in Berlin. Do you have anything to share? What loathsome museum did you go to this time? I went to the DDR Museum. Oh, no. You actually did go to a museum. Jesus. I did. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Well, I brought this upon myself. 
What is the museum? And what did you do there? Um, I read the exhibits and I looked around the inside of a uh, like a reconstructed typical flat from the mid eighties in in East Germany, um, and uh, I I learned a fair bit more about like how it actually operated as as a country, um, and yeah, it was pretty interesting. What was better though was I went to the Soviet War Memorial in East Berlin, hmm. um, in Trepp Tower Park. Was there a large uh, bear statue? What a large bear pulling apart uh, an atom. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, no, so it's like this um, massive, like it's a massive, massive park, and there's this one section of it which has these two kind of. I don't, it's, it's really hard to describe. Um, so, so there's like a long, a long kind of rectangular strip, and at one end there's like an artificial hill with a statue on top of it, and the statue is of like a Soviet soldier with a massive sword breaking a swastika on the ground, and he's holding a baby in his other arm. Um, and that looks along this kind of like long stretch where there where there are graves, and on either side of that there's like eight um, basalt uh, slabs which are carved with reliefs, and there's a a quote from Stalin about the war on each one. On one side, it's in Ru- Russian. On the other side, it's the same quote in German. Um, and they were to represent the 16 um, states that made up the USSR, like the 16 republics. Um, and then at the at the far end from the massive statues where I came in, there's like these two kind of wedge-shaped, um, huge stone constructions. And when you look at them from a distance, it's like a flag like uh, hanging at an angle. And there's these two more soldiers like kneeling in in grief, um, and it's and it's just it's so big, it's so big and monumental, and it's like the kind of thing I'm really not used to seeing. Um, mm. We don't have any massive monumental public sculpture in Ireland, really. Um, so it was it was it was very it was very novel, and um, I really liked the 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 sculptures, uh, the the reliefs carved on the sarcophagi. I wasn't I didn't enjoy as much. But it was still it was a it was a hell of an experience, just like the size of it all. It was cool. I, I have two questions. Uh one, mm-hmm. why were you in Berlin? Was it just a holiday? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um were you in Berlin before? This is like mine uh ich war da Fuhr oder Fünfmal. Fuhr oder Fünfmal? Ah yeah. v- warum Berlin? Why Berlin? Um so I went once um, years ago when I had a girlfriend who was, uh, studying in Germany for a year. So we went at the end and we spent some days, some days in Berlin. And then I went a few years ago with friends and this time I was going over to visit people again. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but like the other times I was, I was visiting people. Okay. And, uh, the thing that I found interesting, you said they were, they had a replica eighties, uh, a model of a, a 80s apartment, East German yeah. 80s apartment. Yeah. That scene. Oh, and I, I read a book. I read an East German children's book. No, 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 no. Back up, back up. Hold on. Back Sorry. to the apartment. Back to the apartment. That, that was seemed... in the apartment. Oh, it was in the apartment. Okay. Yeah. That seems so weird to me because it's like I get going into a place and be like, this is a replica guild hall from the 1200s. Like that I kind of get. But to be like, this is a replica from something in the 80s. Sure, that sort of architecture still is about 
that seems like such a weird thing to kind of make a replica of. Is there something so special about 80s East German apartments that they need to like, um, what's the word, sanctify them in a museum type thing? I think there's a bit of a perception that when uh, when Germany was was unified, that, like, you know, in, in some sense it wasn't unification, it was just West Germany took over East Germany. Like, the, East Germany became part of West Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and that elements of what it was like to be from East Germany were lost and were erased. Um, so I think the, a part of the, the, the idea there is just to preserve, like, the, the lived experience of regular East Germans. Um, and I guess it was in, different in some way to, to how things were in East Germany. So West Germany. That's what they... How, how things were in West Germany, sorry, yeah. In, in the Bundesrepublik. And, um, like, was this... Did this apartment look special to you? Because um, in, in my head, I'm seeing, like... Uh, you know, that sort of very uh, communist sort of like tower blocks type vibe. Uh, I just, was it like that? Was it was it different? Was there something mad about this? No, not particularly. It, it felt like, felt quite, you know, in, in some ways similar to like Irish 1980s housing. <laughs> but see that... <laughs> like in, that... In, in terms of the, the interior decor and stuff and like the, 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 the types of designs and the visual language of some of the like wallpapers, things like that. Um, I actually, I, I, I really enjoyed it aesthetically. I thought it was it was very nice. Um, do, you, do you know what this makes me think of? So why... So the captain's uh, mother, stepmother, is from East Germany originally. Oh, yes. And well, oh, so I didn't know she, she was from East Germany. Okay. Oh, and you, you, you met her at our her, uh, yeah. at our marriage thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> marriage thing, whatever the word for that is. <laughs> well, you see, I can't call it a wedding uh, <laughs> per se because it's not wasn't really that, but it also was more than a sort of party. Um, I don't know. I don't know the word for it. Um, but um, our wedding bonanza. <laughs> But uh, yeah, be, part of me is kind of like I'd love to go. Uh, I should talk to her about about these things. And I'd love to know if she were to go to one of these museums, would what sort of experience she would feel? Yeah, uh, like would she be kind of like this is really silly? Like this is just like it looks like my my first flat I ever had, mm. um, and it's like why are we doing something like this? Is kind of like the equivalent of like putting a, a McDonald's in a museum because like it's everywhere. Like, I don't know what the purpose of this is or I wonder would it, would it bring up very negative emotions or very positive emotions um, in someone who, who lived in the East during that time? I don't know. The more I think about it, the more interesting this eighties apartment actually feels to me. Um, because when you first said it, I was like, that is daft. Just go watch a film, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's, it's actually quite intriguing. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I, uh, not not necessarily Berlin, but Germany is definitely on the bucket list of, of places to go. Like I've been, but obviously, but uh, the captain hasn't. And yeah. it is. And I've never been to Bayern. I'd love to go to Bayern and see what, what the crack of Bayern is. Um, yeah. So we might, you know, health and opportunity permitting, we may uh, spend a day or two in Bayern at some stage. Um yeah. People can still smoke in, in bars there, which I find very odd. It is odd. I, 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 and also, isn't Germany, Germany's a cashless society, isn't it? Oh, no, not, not cashless. It's a cash society, like no cards, as far as I'm aware. A, a, lot, a lot of places. Yeah, I think I think Berlin, 
I, I didn't have that much trouble with with going going with cards in Berlin, but I, I, a lot of places did still say cash only, and I think I, outside Berlin, it's it's even more common. You see, I I think you know I always hold up Germans as being kind of like on the cutting edge of like engineering and very logical, you know, the sort of stereotypes, or whatever. Yeah. The, the notion of like you know we let people smoke in bars and no cards here, just use cash is. It just seems really backwards. Like they just—that's mm. one area where, or and also their propensity for cold is a weird, backward thing. Sorry, sorry, day F Y X. Um, like obviously we love the Germans and and the whole German engineering thing is kind of like a merited sort of very positive stereotype. I think um, for for Germany, but like the, those those things, they just they, I think they really need to modernize that that stuff. Like that's that's crazy that you know smoking and paying with cash crazy mm. and i'm sure i'm sure there's some reason i'm sure there's some reason why these things are kept around but it just seems cumbersome to me um okay uh any other stories from uh from from germany or should we wrap this boy up i think we should wrap it up there okay um as always listeners thank you so much for listening thank you so much for watching thanks for supporting the show over on patreon a quick reminder when i'm working on the Abeski lang i'm going to be streaming doing that and i'll post it on patreon so check in with the patreon every so often uh, it'll be on a friday night usually not every friday night but on a friday night uh so so if you're interested check that out um yeah thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next month so until next time edgar, edgar out, out.